Welcome to Empowered Radio. I am your host, Emma Montgomery, an online nutrition and fitness coach and creator of Shred Within. Each week, we'll talk all things nutrition, training, and mindset. You'll be able to take my tips and strategies and apply what you learn to see results with both your body and your mind. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. This episode of Empowered Radio is brought to you by Spring. Spring is a platform that I use to run all of my programs and is perfect for any coach looking to have their own fitness app. Use code EMMA250 for $250 off your own app or schedule a demo with their team at springapp.com. That's S-P-R-N-G-A-P-P.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Empowered Radio. Today, we are going to do a little Q&A that I posted in my Instagram story. So I have got um, some questions going to go through here and answer those for you guys. So try to pick ones that were a little more in depth that would give me a little more um, space (laughs) to answer those on here. So uh, the first one was, how can I stay on track? Been working on macros for a year and a half and weekends are ruining my progress. So this one's kind of a two-parter. Um, so first off, I would suggest, and I know I've talked about this on the past couple of podcasts, but making sure that you're dieting during times that allow for your best adherence. So if you're trying to diet during times where you've got maybe vacation scheduled or lots of social obligations, basically anything that's going to make adhering to your calorie deficit very difficult, then that's your first issue. So Make sure that you look out um, at a calendar, look ahead, I would say at least six to 12 weeks when you take on a dieting phase. And of course, depending on how much weight you have to lose, it may be longer or shorter. Um, So that's going to differ from person to person. But again, ideally six to 12 weeks looking out and just seeing what you have going on and making sure that you're not trying to diet during times that are going to be hard to adhere to. So for example, if you looked at a calendar now and you looked out over the next 12 weeks and you see that you're running into Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve, Christmas, um, man, it's crazy to even say that those (laughs) holidays are coming up, but that is a great example to look at and say, okay, you know what? It's probably not ideal to be in a calorie deficit over, you know, the next 12 weeks because there's lots of stuff going on that's going to make adhering to plan really hard. So that's the first thing you need to look at. Um, Secondly, you can incorporate a calorie cycle option. So I do this for all of my clients. All of the shred clients um, do this as well. So uh, calorie cycling is simply cycling your calories throughout the week to allow for some higher days balanced with lower days. So this is really helpful for adherence for people who struggle with weekends, um, who are maybe used to having a cheat meal or uh, untracked days on the weekends. But basically, you can allow yourself one to two higher days per week, and you can use that on the weekends if that's where you struggle. And you're going to have the exact same weekly total if you followed a steady count daily. So if we put an example to it and um, we think of you know your calories as a budget that you have to spend for the week, 
let's just say that your calorie goal is 1500 a day. So if you take that 1500 and you multiply that by seven days in a week, that gives you 10,500 calories that you have to work with for the week. And you can spend those however you want each day, as long as you're adhering to that weekly total. So this is where the cycling comes in. So ideally, you could um, look at taking, I don't know, 45 to 60 calories. Um, We'll just say from six days of the week that you're going to bank towards one day of the week so you can have one higher day. So instead of eating 1,500 calories a day, um, you'd be eating around uh, 1,440 to 1,455 a day if you shaved the 45 to 60 calories. So 40, um, if you were to shave, let's just say 10 grams of carbs, that's 40 calories because each gram of carb is worth four calories per gram. Um, Or you could do five grams of fat, which would be 45 calories because fat has nine calories per gram. So we'll just say that you pulled five grams of fat and removed 45 calories from each day. Uh, Your new daily count would now be 1,455 calories. And if you multiply that by six, that is 8,730 calories. So now you'll just subtract that from your weekly budget, which was the 10,500. So that gives you 1,770 calories for one day of the week. And you're going to hit that weekly total of the 10,500, whether you do it that way or if you eat 1,500 a day. So you're giving yourself a higher day to look forward to, but you're still working in the parameters so you don't go over your calorie budget, which is the most important thing. I know that's a lot to take in uh, listening to it. If you're somebody who's very visual um, and would like to see that like on a whiteboard, I do have a YouTube video. I can link that in the show notes um, for anybody that wants to check that out on calorie cycling and have like an example on a whiteboard. I'll link that for you guys. Okay, so the next question is, is it better to do fast reps or slow for muscle building? So for this one, I wouldn't focus so much on the pace of your reps for muscle growth. Rather, are you following a training plan that allows for progressive overload? So uh, progressive overload is simply doing more over time. So this can be increasing the volume. So the weights, um, reps or sets in your training, it could be increasing the intensity or increasing the frequency of your strength training. So This challenges your muscles to do more over time, and this is how you gain strength and how you gain muscle. The key is to track your progress in weights lifted, your reps, your sets, the frequency, and making sure that you're pushing yourself to do more over time. So for example, if you're doing lateral raises for 10 reps, and you can easily blow through the 10 reps, but you stop at 10 because that's what your workout says to do. I would say either increase your weight or I would take your reps closer to failure to challenge yourself more. So when you think about your body, its main goal is functioning efficiently as possible to keep and keeping you alive. So to ensure it does that, it adapts to its environment. So it becomes very efficient at everything. So this means it will not change unless you force it to. So it needs a different stimulus to provide change. So Tension above what it's previously experienced 
to further change. So again, when we're talking about building muscle, it's going to require, you know, if you're used to doing the 10 lateral raises with eight pounds, you're going to have to either increase those reps or increase the weight so that you can put a new stimulus on your body and further it to change. So again, I wouldn't worry so much about the tempo of the reps, but focusing on if you are progressively training and following a training program that allows for weekly progression. So this would also mean that your training program, you need to stick with it for, I would say, at least four to six weeks, even eight weeks for some training programs, um, so that you're allowing your t- yourself time to progress in your workouts. Next question is, how would you track alcohol in macros? So alcohol itself, um, it is its own macro. It contains seven calories per gram. It's empty calories, meaning there's no nutritional value. So when you're talking about getting a macro goal, you're never going (laughs) to be assigned a um, macro goal for alcohol. So when you are tracking uh, the macros and alcohol, I recommend either using carbs um, or fat macros, or you can do a combination of the two to account for the calories in your drink. So let's just say, for example, um, Bud Light. It is 110 calories, but if you look at the label or look it up in MyFitnessPal, the only macros that it shows are six grams of carbs. So if you do the math on that, and we know that um, carbs are worth four calories per gram, and it's saying that there are six carbs in a bottle of Bud Light, if you multiply six times four, that only gives you 24 calories. So the bottle says it's got 110. So trying to make up that difference is is where you need to focus on. So what I recommend doing is taking uh, the 110 calories and either dividing it by four if you're going to log it as carbs or divide it by nine if you're going to count it as fat. Um, Again, you can also split the middle and do a combination of the two. But if you took 110 calories, divided that by four, you're going to log that as 27.5 carbs. Um, If you took the 110 calories and divided by nine, then you would log it as 12 grams of fat. So hope that helps. Okay, next question. What kind of cardio do you suggest for beginners, uh, someone who is overweight? So the first thing to remember here is uh, what the point of cardio is. So cardio is good for your heart. It's good for your overall health, but it can 100% be overdone. So when you're dieting, you will get much further and far better results by focusing on controlling your calorie deficit through your nutrition than you will through cardio. So with that said, I do highly recommend a step goal for pretty much anyone. Um, I personally shoot for 10,000 steps a day. Some people that might be too lofty. So I suggest just taking a look at what your current average is and seeing where you're able to increase those over time. So have you guys ever wondered why um, you see all these step challenges and the goal is always 10,000? It's because 10,000 steps per day can burn up to 3,500 calories in a week for the average person. So one pound of body fat is the equivalent of 3,500 calories. So there lies the, you know, depending on your weight, what your diet looks like, 
um, you could yield a one pound weight loss each week just by getting in 10,000 steps a day. So that is why you'll always see 10,000 as a suggested goal. Um, Now let's talk about NEAT for just a second. So NEAT is non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So this is everyday activity that burns calories outside of exercise. So as you diet, your body will naturally do things to conserve energy because the energy, aka calories coming in, are less. So your NEAT will naturally decrease as you diet. So this is where having a step goal is really helpful when you're dieting because it allows you to track your daily movement and keep your steps high enough while you're dieting so that it kind of offsets the other reductions in NEAT that you can't control. So the things like talking slower, fidgeting less, you know, things that you don't think about, sitting versus standing, things like that. So outside of daily steps, though, um, I'd recommend a type of cardio that you can maintain during a dieting phase or at maintenance. So something that you could maintain um, anytime. So this would, again, be cardio that you actually enjoy and an amount that you can keep up and do regularly. So I know I've talked about it before, but for me personally, I shoot for 10,000 steps a day. And then I typically do about 60 minutes of moderate intensity steady steady state cardio a week and that is just um, typically getting on the stairs for 60 minutes a week so it might be three 20 minute sessions or two 30 minute sessions but that's something I enjoy it's something that's easy for me to maintain whether I'm dieting or I'm at maintenance um, I usually throw on you know a podcast on and and do that while I'm on the stairs so that's just something I enjoy and that's what I recommend for um, anyone that is, whether you're working for weight loss or not, Um, but especially someone who is overweight, I would start with a step goal and gradually increase that. And then um, just keep in mind that you're going to get much further with your calorie deficit, controlling that through your nutrition versus cardio. Next question is, would you recommend eating more for muscle growth than cutting to lose fat? So um, I'm assuming with this, you're asking, like, is that the order of operation? So eating more to grow muscle, then go ahead and cut to lose fat. So um, yeah, ideally, you're going to want to phase those things out. So with building muscle, um, obviously, it takes time, especially for women. But eating in a surplus, a calorie surplus, is ideal for adding muscle tissue. However, Studies have shown that you can build muscle at maintenance. So um, the only downside is it does take longer, but it also reduces the risk of unnecessary fat gain. So um, I think it's important to, one, manage your expectations when you're dieting. So understanding that unless you already have a decent amount of muscle built, you're likely not going to look like what you want once you cut. Um, so if you are someone who like I used to be skinny fat, I didn't have, um, any muscle tone on my body. So when I did cut for the first time and lost a decent amount of weight, I was just very thin. Um, so I did have to undergo a building phase so that the next time I cut, I did have much more muscle to show through. So um, what I will say is if you are somebody who is new to training, your likelihood to recomp 
is very, very good. Um, so that's building muscle and losing fat simultaneously. So um, the training stimulus is so new when you're new to training that you're able to do those two things at the same time. If you're somebody who's a pretty experienced lifter or been lifting for a few years, obviously your um, likelihood for recomp in a calorie deficit is is not very good. Um, you're going to need to eat at maintenance or even a calorie surplus to do that. So um, again, I would just say if you are in this phase or if you are new to um, training and you're working on recomping your body, I highly encourage you to track your progress through not only your scale weight, but also measurements and progress pictures, because as you are losing fat and gaining muscle, your weight may not move um, hardly at all, but you could look totally different. So um, yes, I would say if you are wanting to add muscle um, and when we're talking about muscle growth and losing fat, ideally you're going to want to phase those out. But again, if you are brand new to training, you have a very good chance of body recomposition where you're able to, um, have that new training stimulus, be in a calorie deficit and lose fat while also gaining muscle. Um, next question is I am having a hard time hitting protein macros, Tips, I'm allergic to eggs and peanuts. Okay, so with this, um, you are not alone. <laughs> Most people struggle with protein. Um, so the first thing I'll say is consider what is optimal for you in terms of protein, but you also have to look at what is practical. So what I mean is if you were to audit your food log, um, a lot of people, and I do this for clients when they very first start with us, and you're looking at how much protein you would normally consume on a regular day, and we'll just say it was like 80 grams of protein. But your goal um, for protein, maybe it's set at 140 grams. That's an extra 60 grams of protein that you're going to have to figure out where to get in a day. That's a lot. I mean, for a lot of people, that's going to be very overwhelming, and it's going to set you up for failure, uh, to be quite honest. So again, that's where we're talking about. Yes, it may be optimal to get 140 grams in, but if you're only getting 80 in currently, let's just move the needle up to 100 grams. And then you have time to gradually increase that over time. Um, so, you know, maybe you get to where 100 grams is easy and you're hitting that consistently, then let's move it up to 110 or 120. So again, I would just say first start with, um, looking at where you currently hit and then increasing that slightly instead of just jumping up to the optimal range. Um, that way it helps with adherence. That's that's going to be the number one thing to do first. Now, when you're talking about just ways to increase your protein, um, the number one way to increase protein is just increasing the serving sizes of protein at each meal. So I would say aiming for 25 to 30 grams at each meal, again, because that's ideal for muscle protein synthesis. But you can, um, when you're thinking about like a four ounce piece of chicken, if that's what you normally do, it's so much easier to just increase that to five or six ounces versus trying to figure out like, you know, adding in weird combinations of food to hit that protein goal. 
Um, the other things that you can add in are things like non-fat Greek yogurt, uh, low-fat cottage cheese, whey protein powder, pre-made protein shakes, protein bars, tuna pouches, uh, deli lunch meat, things like that um, will also help get you to your goal. And then uh, last question I think we've got time for here is, how do you properly incorporate cheat meals into a reverse diet? Does 80-20 apply? So um, I hate the term cheat meals just because it sounds like you're doing something wrong. But um, what I will say is when you're thinking about a reverse diet, do not forget that you are still even though you're not in a calorie deficit and you're not working towards fat loss, you're not done with the work that you've done in your fat loss phase until you get out of your reverse. So I would be as consistent and on point with your reverse diet as possible. Then once you're at maintenance, I would look at loosening the reins and adding in either, you know, starting with adding in, you know, an untracked meal or so, uh, and getting to where you can have untracked days and eating a little more intuitively. Um, but you definitely do not want to go through the reverse. And because, again, you're still in a calorie deficit while you're reversing. And your body, your um, your BMR is still lower, so your metabolism is still down-regulated. And until you've spent some time at maintenance, your metabolism hasn't increased. So your BMR and everything is still, it's still low. Um, so you're still more susceptible to fat gain if you happen to eat in a surplus, which is probably pretty easy to do when you start throwing in cheat meals. So again, I would be very diligent through the reverse. Wait till you get to maintenance and you're there for a little bit before you start adding in um I'm doing the air quotes, cheat meals or untracked meals, untracked days, things like that. So again, I would, um, I wouldn't recommend incorporating those into the actual reverse diet itself. I would wait until you're at maintenance to uh, get a little more, you know, loosen the reins a little more. So hope that is helpful. That is, um, that's all the questions that I took time for. I didn't want to go too long on these. So I hope those were helpful. Um, I'm going to try to do this at least once a week where I drop those in and have um, a podcast dedicated to just the Q&A because it does give me a little more room to answer the questions versus trying to type it in that small little box on Instagram. So hopefully this was helpful. Um, but again, thank you guys for tuning in. That is all I have for you today. And I will talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Empowered Radio. If you enjoyed the episode or found value in it, could you do me two quick favors? One, take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tag me in it so I can say thanks. And two, could you subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star rating and review in iTunes? It would mean the world to me. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode.